but to give his life a ransom for many. I love that text because it has so many of the elements of the gospel. You have him here as Jesus, the Son of Man. There's his unipersonality. He's called the Son of Man. He's the Son of God, but he's the Son of Man. He's the God-man right there in that text. And he came not to be ministered to, but he came to work for us. He's our worker. He is our servant, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom. Now, that's not a victim. That means he came to purchase a ransom for many. And the little word, therefore, is hooper. In the place of many. And when Jesus died on that cross, Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I trust that today the Lord will bless your heart and encourage you as we come again to God's Word, and we're looking at God's escape plan. That's what the gospel is, because sinners are perishing. It is like someone caught in a house fire, and you need an escape plan. And God has sent His Son to extinguish the wrath of God that you do not perish, that you be brought to faith in Jesus, and one day to glory. We'll also have a look at the word atonement. We're coming up close to the Easter season, and of course we want to focus on the purpose and the accomplishments of the Lord Jesus in his death. And the word atonement, which simply means at one meant with God, uh, it is a crucial word in our vocabulary as Christians. So stay tuned today as we turn to our message on God's escape plan. That's what salvation is to us. It is God's great escape plan from the wrath that is going to fall upon a sinful, wicked world and upon the souls of men who go out into eternity without a Savior. God had also the same message to Lot. When those angels were sent by God, they first met with Abraham and shared with him what God was going to do to bring fire and brimstone down upon the, the wicked, evil society of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then those angels went right into the city, and they knocked at Lot's door and warned him to get out. And when he hesitated, the Bible says, while he lingered, those angels laid hold upon him and dragged him out of the city. And so it was God's escape plan to bring Lot, that righteous man, because he was a righteous man. He was a good man, but he was living in a, a city of sin, a city of evil, a city of iniquity, and it was under judgment. And the message to Lot was, get out. And that's what the gospel is to men and women today. Do not trust in this world. Do not trust in the flesh. Do not trust in this pleasure, sin-crazed world. But rather, you need salvation. Then John the Baptist, just going through a number of examples here of the message that God brought to a needy world, a lost world. Uh, John the Baptist is the one who preached warning people from the wrath to come. The wrath to come. Many deny that. Many oppose that. Many can't even consider that. This world is under judgment. 
and wrath is coming. And because of that, God sent his Son, the Savior. John the Baptist was the preparer of the way. He was to make the way for the coming of the Savior that men would flee from the wrath to come. And then at Pentecost, you had Peter's preaching. And when people listened to Peter preaching, and he told them to save yourselves from this untoward generation. That means they were depraved, they were rebellious, they were against God. These were the very people who had the blood of Jesus on their hands. They had cried out in an earlier day, crucify him, crucify him. And they were asking, what will we do? Peter said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And praise God, there is an escape. There is a way to be saved. There is a way out. Paul the apostle preached in the same manner. And when you get to the book of Revelation, we read of those when Christ returns, they will pray for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them, to hide their faces from the wrath of the Lamb. That is the judgment. That is the destruction that is coming upon the world that you need to be saved from. And salvation is God's escape plan. Now, we get into this right here in this text. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Do you see the need for evangelism in this world? Why preach this gospel? Because men are lost. Because wrath is coming. Why should the church be on prayer? Why should we care? Because God has an escape plan to save sinners. Now, that brings us to the immeasurable escape plan. It is so great salvation. And I say immeasurable because of this word, so. You can't calculate it. You can't really say, put it in a box and say that's the dimensions of it. No, this is so immeasurable. So great salvation is immeasurable because of its author and finisher, because of the one who designed it and the one who carried it out. This, of course, is our Lord Jesus. He is the one who has carried out this so great salvation. <clears throat> now, we come to the argument of Hebrews here you'll see that the reasoning of the apostle in this text, how shall we escape if we neglect? If you go back to verse 5 in chapter 1, you'll see, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. Now, what the writer is doing is building a case for the greatness of Christ. He is above the angels. He is greater than the angels. And the word that the angels preached was fulfilled. But Christ is greater, and because he is greater, his word and his salvation is immeasurable. So high, so holy, and yet the one who made himself of no reputation came down from glory all the way to this world, became human, took our form, our nature, went to the cross, and there he died in our place. So great salvation 
in the author and finisher. And it's so great because it saves from great wrath. God's wrath is a terrible thing, an horrendous thing. You can see that in the judgment that came upon the world in Noah's day, Lot's day. We can see that in the warnings that are given of the eternal day when Christ comes again. God hates sin so much. Indeed, God is filled with fury against sin. We're told in the Bible that he is a consuming fire. And for a soul who is not reconciled to God through Christ, to fall into the hands of an angry God is horrendous. And this is so great salvation because it brings peace, grace, eternal life, fellowship with God, and every blessing into your heart and soul. And if we're ever going to measure this salvation, we have to see it in the light of the pit from which it delivers us. So it is great salvation because of the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. And we've got to realize that no man, no mere man, could have made a sufficient sacrifice on the cross. If you read through this book of Hebrews, and when you get to chapters 7, 8, 9, you will see that so much is made of the point that all the blood of bulls, all the blood of calves, all the blood of sheep, the sacrifices that were slaughtered in, in such a multitude of numbers in the Old Testament, could never take away sin. The blood of an animal is powerless to take away sin. They were used to teach God's people to get their eyes on the Messiah or Christ. They were just a picture of the great sacrifice that would be made by the Lord Jesus. And that's the great theme of this chapter of Hebrews. And I'm seriously thinking of preaching much of this right up to Easter time. These great themes of the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice that he made on that cross, and wherein lies the power of it, because he was not just flesh. He was not just man. He was God in the flesh. God and man in one person laying down his life. Now, this is so great salvation because it saves men and women from great sins. You think of the most blood-curdling, scarlet sins imaginable, and the blood of Jesus cleanses from every one of them. We have in the Bible many, many examples of people who were saved from terrible sins. Samson comes up. Samson's a strange character in the Bible. He is a man. Uh, he's listed in the Hall of Faith. He's a man who was God's deliverer, and yet he fell into terrible sin. You know the story of Samson and Delilah. You know how his hair got cut and he lost his power. Well, Samson's sins were pardoned by the sacrifice of Christ. He is a man of faith. There's the sins of, of theft. Zacchaeus would be a great example of that. The man who said that if I have stolen anyone's goods, I will restore them fourfold. He was a tax collector. He was corrupt 
He was guilty of thievery, and yet his sins washed away. The dying thief on the cross, what terrible crimes he had committed, what horrendous crimes. Then there's Paul the apostle himself, blasphemy, the sins of blasphemy. Who can forgive those? And yet the blood of Jesus, the cleansing power of Jesus' blood, takes away those sins too. And so we can see the greatness of this so great salvation. I wonder today, are you a Christian? I wonder, have you come to the place where you have led your life, your eternal destiny, at the feet of the Lord Jesus and said, Lord, I need your salvation so great. My sins trouble me. My sins will damn me in hell. Lord Jesus, I need this great salvation in my heart and in my life. And no matter what your sins are, and yes, every one of us are guilty, and every sin is heinous in God's sight, whether it's idolatry, false worship, witchcraft, seeking other spirits, or as I mentioned, blasphemy. All of these sins can be forgiven. Every one of them can be put away underneath the blood of Jesus. I wonder today, can you truly say, I have come to the cross. I have looked to the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I have recognized that he died as a substitute in my place. And I have asked him to wash away my sins. This is so great salvation. And when you can say that with all your heart, then you can rejoice and delight in the grace of God. Now, we come now to man's responsibility here, and that is to plan the escape, because it says here, if we neglect so great salvation, how shall we escape? Now, there are many people who fall into the category of being neglectors. I suppose all around our homes, there are things that are just neglected. And you're saying, oh, I'm going to get to that one day, and I'm going to do that one day. Uh, maybe your wife is saying to you and keeps reminding you, and you say, yes, dear, I know it needs to be done, and I'm going to get to that someday, but I have time and an opportunity, and there it is, still neglected, undone, unfinished. And it is the story of life. Things get neglected. And I'm sure that fire inspector who came in on Wednesday morning uh, would, could have written up a, a nasty enough note and saying, this has been neglected and must be fixed. I must say he was very gracious in what he wrote and gave us an opportunity to prove the purchase of the battery and to make sure that it was all looked after. But that's the work of a fire inspector to make sure that these things are not neglected. And I'm taking the place of the fire inspector today. I'm asking you, have you neglected this so great 
salvation. You don't have to be a Judas. You don't have to be a Philistine. You don't have to be a Roman centurion with a spear in your hand to lose your soul. All you have to do is just neglect. Just do nothing, and you lose your soul. How shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? And there are multitudes today on the broad road to destruction because they do nothing. They don't go to church. They don't read the Bible. They don't pray. They don't think about eternity. They have never considered Christ dying on the cross as the Savior of sinners to write their name in the eternal book of life. And these are the things that people neglect. Now, I have to ask you today, have you neglected the salvation of your soul? I'll flip the coin a little. It would even be possible to be a Bible reader and still neglect salvation. It would be possible to be a churchgoer and sing and take part in the service, but not be saved, not be a Christian. Neglect the greatest and most important thing, the salvation of your soul. Now, let me ask you, how old are you? How many years now have you known that sin is a problem, that life is short, eternity is coming? How many years have you known that you need to be saved, but you've neglected it, you've left it off, and you today will not escape unless, that's what the Bible tells us here, unless you turn immediately and trust the Lord as your own Savior. Now, I'm going to conclude with the argument of the passage. The, the text that we have taken here today does have a context, and it's talking here about angels versus the Son. And you'll notice, if you read with me, write down verses uh, 1, 2, and 3, and I want to get everything in context of what the Bible is saying. I don't want you going home and saying that preacher was just ranting. I don't want you going home and saying, where did he get that? How did those ideas come to his mind? Let's make sure what we're saying here is right out of the Bible. Let's read the context. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast. Now, that word by angels could refer to the Old Testament scriptures or certainly the writings of Moses which in the Mount Sinai, angels were involved. And if that word that was given in the Old Testament, given by angels, was steadfast, they came true, they were real, how much more will the word of the Son, and you'll notice chapter 1-1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in the past unto the fathers by the prophets, in these last days, spoken unto us by his Son, the Lord Jesus. The word of angels came true. The word of angels was steadfast. The word of the Son, Christ, how shall we escape 
if we neglect so great salvation. And the argument is, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Now, have you given earnest heed? Have you taken these things to heart? Have you gotten on your knees and prayed as a sinner and said, Lord, save my soul. I need this escape plan or I'm headed for judgment. And when you take that salvation, oh, so great. What a miracle. What a marvel. What victory. What blessing. What joy. What peace. What deliverance. And we can face life and we can face death and we can face eternity because we have this great, so great salvation. And I'm sure when we stand on the other side in glory and when we see the wonder of it all, we will sing all the more, so great salvation. Let that be your song today. I don't want you leaving today with a burden of sin. I don't want to leave, see you leaving without hope, but with the reality of this so great salvation within your own heart and within your own soul. Will you be saved today? If I can help you, I'll gladly take the time while others talk or go. I'll gladly take the time to speak with you about your salvation, so great salvation, and the only way to escape through faith in the Lord Jesus. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, and this is Ian Golliher, minister of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale, British Columbia. This month, we want to focus on Calvary. We're coming up to Easter, and we want to just prepare our hearts and dwell, meditating on the death and the atoning work of our Lord Jesus. Are you familiar with that term, atoning? Well, that's the doctrinal term to describe the sacrifice and the effects of Jesus' death reconciling us unto the Father. Atonement is to bring us God and sinners to be at one, at one with God. The other great term that is used in the New Testament for this is reconciliation. And through Jesus' death, we are reconciled to the Father. Now, the word atonement in the Hebrew Old Testament language meant to cover over as at the mercy seat, when the blood was applied, the blood of the animal or the sacrifice was sprinkled on the table or the Ark of the Covenant, the guilt of man's sin was covered over. And so when we speak about Jesus' atoning death, we are speaking about the effects of the sacrifice Jesus offered to turn away God's wrath 
and to blot out our transgressions from God's view. A teacher asked a little boy in class one day, is there anything that God cannot do? And the little boy piped up and said, he cannot see my sins beneath the blood of Jesus. And he was right on. He understood the message of the gospel. And if only God's people and even sinners can get a grasp of this truth, that Jesus' blood covers over, makes atonement to make sinners to be at one with God through this work of reconciliation. And so let that be the word of our day, atonement, the bleeding sacrifice of Jesus, covering over our sins, blotting them out so that God cannot see them. Or we could say that we are justified, just as if we had never sinned. Let's sing together now the message of the cross. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.